Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The Ghost of Peter Sellers is a comic tragic feature about what it takes to be a film director and survive your biggest disaster. After 43 years, the wounds have barely healed for director Peter Medak, and this film is his opportunity to tell his story and finally release the weight associated with that failure. Peter Medak was coming off of a run of three highly regarded films, including Negatives, A Day in the Death of Joe Egg, and The Ruling Class with Peter O'Toole, when in September of 1973, he embarked on a project that had been brought to him by his good friend Peter Sellers. The cast included Peter Sellers, Spike Mulligan, and Tony Francioso. It was a 17th century pirate comedy to be filmed in Cyprus. Very quickly after production began, bad things started to happen, including the ship that they were going to be filming on crashed into the rocks, and Peter Sellers did everything he could to get out from under the production, which he felt was going to end in failure, and did everything he could to undermine the authority of the director, Peter Medak. This documentary is a opportunity for cast members, production staff, distributors, financiers to tell their side of the story. The film, again, is The Ghost of Peter Sellers, and we're joined today by the director, Peter Medak. Peter, welcome to Film School Radio. Yes, hello. It also starred Peter Boyle as well. Oh, yes, Peter Boyle, yes. I mean, he's in the very beginning of the film, but yeah, he yeah. was a lovely friend and a fabulous actor, you know. Yeah. Uh, all of them have passed away. <laughs> Let's talk about the film uh, and, and how you came to the project of Ghosts in the Midday Sun. Well, I was very hot at the time because I was. It's it's luck, you know, when the right projects come to you, or you manage to develop the right projects and you can get them made, uh, which was much easier those days than it is today. How the whole Peter Sellers thing came about? We've been friends since the early '60s in London, because London was very small, the film business, and wonderful. And we all knew each other, you know. We used to hang out together, you know, with Roger Moore and Michael Caine and Brian Forbes, who was a wonderful English director, actor. So we were friends. And I actually uh, was a complete kind of coincidence how the film came about because I was supposed to direct Death Wish for United Artists because Ruling Class was United Artists movie. And Arthur Krim, Mr. Krim, who owned and ran United Artists, after ruling class, he gave me the script of Death Wish, and he said, I would love this to be your next movie. And those days, that's how movies happened, that you were invited, really, to, to be part of something. And uh, I uh, read the script and loved the script and worked on the script uh, with uh, uh, the writer, Wendell Mays, I wanted Henry Fonda to play the main part of the film, and I gave the script to Henry Fonda, who I didn't know, but to some friends, 
And I promised him that if he reads the script and he likes it, I will only do it with him. You know, a few weeks later, you know, he loved the script. And then I went back to United Artists, to Mr. David Picker, who actually ran all the productions. He said, look, you could have anybody you want, but you can't have Henry Fonda. And I said, why? And he said, because he's really not right for the part, according to me or to us. And, you, you know, and I said, look, you know, I said, I have a problem, you know, because I promised Mr. Fonda that I would only make the movie if he likes it with him. And I said, I can't make the film, you know, and having worked on it for three, four months in New York and found some of the locations and everything, I walked out of the film. But it was kind of an idiotic mistake, you know, because um, I would have made a different film mm -hmm. with the same script because I had a whole different take on the film. And uh, I regretted it ever since, having not made that movie, because I would have made an incredibly commercial, but very kind of offbeat, artistic, real film out of it, instead of this kind of slightly escapist movie, which was also wonderful and made an absolute fortune. But that wasn't me. And uh, I have chosen a road of making movies, really, with my first film, which, which was Negatives, which was a very offbeat, strange film. And uh, once you embark on that kind of journey, it's very difficult to get off it. And so for the rest of my life, I try to choose some films which were slightly offbeat and uh, different and, and very realistic and uh, whatever. Mm. So I walked out of uh, Death Wish. I got on the plane and I came back to London. And that weekend I bumped into Peter in King's Road. And he and I had the same agent, somebody called Dennis Salinger. And he said, I heard from Dennis, you just walked out of your biggest commercial movie after, you know, ruling class, you know, and uh, uh, I said, that's a terrible thing for you, you know, but it's great for me, because you're free. And he said, come and do my pirate movie, it's all ready to go. And all you got to do is just say yes to it, you know, which I did there and then. And that's how it came about, of the, the, the Ghost of Noonday Sun, which was the original movie called. And then I went to work with Spike Milligan on the script and Peter, uh, kind of. And I kind of got very suspicious because it was a project which Peter developed. But the more and more I talked to him about the script, I had this growing suspicion that I don't think Peter has ever read the script. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> which was actually more or less true. Or he did not actually read this last version of the script which I was given. And, uh, the, the, you know, that was the beginning of the troubles, you know, and uh, I tried to make Peter read the script one weekend. And I said, listen, there's something is unsolvable in this script. And uh, you got me into it. So why don't we just try to f try to figure it out together? I went over to him and this is partly in the film of, yeah. uh, in conversation, you know, but... Uh, uh, we never got through the script and after page 10 the phone rang and it was Liza Miller and they calling 
from Chicago because she was coming back to London and Peter had to pick her up at London airport a few hours later and uh, she was very upset about something and uh, Peter is trying to talk her on the phone and, and, and try to comfort her and uh, tell her much I, how much he loved her and all that. And um, so I'm sitting there with the open script in my palm on page 10, listening to all this, you know, and eventually Peter hangs up the phone and um, breaks down and starts crying. And that was the end of our working through the script that weekend. And a couple of weeks later, we started shooting the movie. And, and uh, by then, Peter and, and uh, Liza broken up. And uh, he arrived to Cyprus in a very depressed, catatonic state. It's kind of difficult to embark on a crazy kind of goon-type comedy but we did, and that was the beginning. Yeah, that is the beginning, and it's in, in the film. that You explore a lot of uh, Peter's, uh, Peter Sellers and his backstory that he had acquired a reputation as someone who would be difficult to work with even under better circumstances than the one you found yourself facing with him in making Ghost of the New Day Sun. And... And well, you 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 had some idea of that going into this, right? You felt like you you had some you I, you must have had a notion that no matter what you could you could work through it. Or, or what yeah, was that? Well, absolutely. I mean, he was a friend, and and we knew each other very well. And uh, I mean, he asked me to come and do the film. So it's uh, and it it happened in gradual stages, you know, his. Um, kind of, uh, he was, he loved the film and he wanted to do it, you know, but he changed his mind, you know, and he changed his mind several times a day about everything. And if, if, if you wore green and you came on the set, he had a fit, you know, because he felt that green was bad luck. So he was incredibly unpredictable and, you know, it was, it was a, eccentricity dash kind of quirkiness madness and really just was kind of you know i mean he was a friend and and i i thought you know i i, I could manage it i mean i managed very well in my first three movies with wonderful actors because uh, i mean the the rise of amazing glenda jackson when when i had the fortune to cast her and uh, work with her and put my directorial hands on her uh, was just the most magical uh, beginning of, of any director's career, you know, and, and she was in my first movie. And then in the second movie, it was Janet Sussman, you know, who was the lead and, and Ellen Bates. And again, they were just giants of the London theatre at the time. And, uh, you, you know, and they had no problem. And then Peter O'Toole on ruling class. Right. And uh, I wouldn't say I had no problems. Of course, you have, you have problems always because uh, directing is not as easy as everybody thinks it is. 
and it's a, it's a very kind of communal. It's a it's a very uh, joint effort, you know, and you create those roles and those films together. And it all is in the casting that if you cast the films right, there's very little can go wrong. Yeah. yeah. In the period of time that I've been lucky enough to be doing this radio show, I've talked to now over a thousand filmmakers. And what I have always maintained, and I, I think this is the case with this film as well, is that the tremendous respect I have for anyone who can pull together such a complex enterprise as making a film and where there are so many things that can go wrong. There's, there, there can be issues with the actors, issues with money, issues with locations, technical issues, things that are out of your control. And in this sometimes t- several months of working on something, all of the ways in which things can go off the rails, it's remarkable that films ever get made in, 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 in a lot of ways. And so um, it's, it's a tremendous accomplishment to, as I don't have to tell you, but to, to actually pull a film together and make it work. And you are more than aware of all the different ways it can go off the rails. But just going back to Ghost in the Noonday Sun, uh, you also had some issues with the ship that we were using. There were a lot of issues that were kind of looming that became more pronounced as the production went on. Talk a yeah. little bit about those other factors beyond uh, the the actors. It's 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 uh, you have to be totally insane <laughs> to actually want to try to make a film on a real boat on the real sea. It it never happened and it never happens. I mean, movies have been made on the water, you know, uh, like wonderful Polanski's movie in Life in the Water. There was a lot of footage on that, in that boat. Uh, Robert Redford's movie, which was recently made, a lot of it was shot on the real water. But it's it's something really very, very difficult to do. And, um, and you need to have luck, and you have to have all the weather conditions right and the sea constantly changes and the winds constantly change once you're out in the open water. And so all kinds of unpredictable things happen all day long, you know, which, which happens throughout the movie. And indeed the boat, you know, basically sunk, you know, before we started shooting. <laughs> you know, because the, the captain who brought it in from at where they were rebuilding this old uh, cigarette boat with the superstructure over it to make it look like the 17th century um, uh, pirate ship. He was so drunk that he kind of rammed against the, the end key of the harbor. And um, I was standing there with Peter and half of Carinia village watching this incredible arrival of this pirate ship with the three sails and all that and suddenly there was this terrible noise and I was doing some camera tests with Peter to figure out the speed of the silent uh, movie speed of the camera so it creates that feeling of silent movies And, and Peter said he said God what is that you know and we watched the boat beginning to go down. 
And uh, uh, he said, well, what's going on? And I said, that's my first two weeks work has just sunk. That's what's happened, you know. That was the beginning. I I want to let our listeners know first uh, that we're speaking with Peter Medak. He is the uh, director of a new film called The Ghost of Peter Sellers. It's a documentary. It's out uh, now. And um, I want to give our audience a sense of, as we're talking about Peter Sellers and some of the other people who are in the cast, uh, including as we, Peter Boyle, Tonsi Franciosa, Spike Mulligan, and others. But Peter Sellers at this time was, uh, I think, widely regarded as the greatest comedic actor of that time and one of the greatest comedic actors ever, and who was coming off a number of successes, including um, Dr. Strangelove, which is one of the maybe one of the greatest films ever made, and uh, where he played three roles and was outstanding in all of those. So this is somebody who was supremely talented, but as I alluded to earlier, was also a person who uh, had gone through a lot in his life and was dealing with that in ways that were, in some ways you could say, acting out, I think, is a safe way, from, at least from the way I see it, uh, in the way his his personal relationships with some of the people that he worked with. But he was a huge, huge star. And uh, so I just want to establish just sort of the con- uh, sort of historic context for this project. It's in the film, and I don't want to give too much away, but uh, watching uh, The Ghost of Peter Sellers, there's a sense that you made the film Ghost in the Noonday Sun. And so you were, this is your project, you're, along with Peter Sellers, you made this film, and now you're making a film about the making of the film. It does feel like there is a therapeutic aspect to what you've done with this uh, documentary, The Ghost of Peter Sellers. Tell me a little, about, a little bit about your decision to make this documentary and how it's played out in terms of you coming to terms with what happened. Well, it was, it was kind of unintentional, the whole thing. And the whole thing happening because uh, I did think uh, when I made the movie of Romeo's Bleeding with darling Gary Oldman, he actually said to me one day, because all my friends who you work with, or writers and the people who you surrounded with, your circle of friends, everybody knew about. Uh, what happened on uh, Peter Sellers' movie, Ghost in the Noonday Sun, the original film. Uh, so I, it's something I always talked about, but one is always talking about everything. You know, the same thing applies of what happened on the ruling class or what happened to on the changeling with George C. Scott. And it's all wonderful because it's, it's just completely... It kind of takes over your life when you make a movie. You know, you get so involved with each other. So I, I often talked about it, and and we thought at one time that Gary and I should make a movie about the film, but a proper film. And and um, um, we had a script written, but the script wasn't really good, you know. So it then it never happened. But that was the first inkling, and it certainly was at least 25 years before I actually started shooting this documentary. And uh, what happened is that I received a phone call from the Academy 
saying there is a gentleman from Cyprus who is desperate to get hold of you. And uh, uh, so they connected me with Paul Aikavu, you know, who is actually was the producer of Ghosts of Peter Sellers. And he is a British Cypriot who lives in Cyprus. And somehow he got or seen a photograph of Peter Sellers and uh, got fascinated by it and then obsessed by it to the point that he decided that he wanted to make a film about the film what Peter Sellers made in Cyprus. And so he contacted me and... Uh, uh, and then we spoke on the phone, on Skype actually, you know, and um, I said to him, I said, what, what do you know what happened on the film? Because, you know, there were rumors of all the problems and all that all over, particularly in Cyprus, because all the people were present during it, you know. So um, he told me what he knew about it. And uh, I said, well, that's not quite the story. But this is what actually happened, and I told him that. And then after about several hours of conversation on the phone, he said, well, I want to make the movie about the movie. And I, at that time, didn't want to do it. And he said, it's the last thing I want to do. I never, I never, ever in my life, I want to go on the water again. And I think some movies done with uh, water in it and they had to film underwater. I said, I don't want to know. And after about two weeks of uh, kind of pondering about, I suddenly said to me, so you're crazy. You know, you talk about this to all your friends and everybody over so many years. I mean, this gives you a wonderful opportunity to actually try to tell the real story of what happened and what happened on the film. That yeah. I never want to go back to the past anymore, but then I changed my mind. And then we spent weeks on the phone talking to each other, and he's an incredible man, Paul, and uh, who had nothing to do with the film business, except he loves movies. Then went ahead and, 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 and raised enough money, and uh, one day we got on the plane and came to London, and uh, started shooting on King's Road, the same spot yeah. where I bumped into Peter so many years ago in front of that incredible restaurant called Alvaro's. And that's where we started shooting. And then I went to Spike Milligan's office and met his wonderful Norma Farns, who was his manager, who again, unfortunately, passed away since then. And uh, started making it, the film, in bits and pieces, you know, and shot for a week and shot for another week and came back to LA. And then we ran out of money and then Paul found more money and then it just went on and on and on and on and on. And suddenly the movie was finished. Or we ran out of money and there was no more money and that was the end of it, you know. And then we edited it and uh, made it and opened it in the Venice Film Festival to great, great, incredible reviews two years ago. And uh, ever since then, it's been playing at various festivals and uh, waiting for the right time to open it in America. 
and find the right distribution company, which yeah. is 1091. Yeah. And, and uh, all these preparations and the movie was going to start being screened in cinemas in New York and in Los Angeles at the beginning, end of March and the beginning of April. And then the pandemic thing had happened, and everything was, and we've been locked up ever since. You yeah, know. yeah. Watching uh, the Ghosts of Peter Sellers for me is it all the things you just described, but it's also an opportunity, as you started our, this part of our conversation with talking about how you could tell this story, like you would have told a story about the ruling class or the negatives or some other film you made. But this is your opportunity to bring in other voices and other people who were there, who were uh, working with Peter or Spike or whoever in the making of this film or the production company that was involved. And in a way, it's like when something happens to you and and if it, it's tragic or it's, it's an ongoing kind of rolling train wreck of, of sorts, at some point during the course of that incident or that event in your life, oftentimes you look at yourself and say, am I crazy? Is this just me? Is this just in my mind that this is, is where it is? And watching the film, it felt like it was an affirmation that it was not just you, that there were a lot of other factors involved in, in what happened and why it happened and how it happened. And I think that's what gives the film why it resonates is it's these other people saying, yes, Peter, there, you know, this is where the this is where you can assess blame here and here on you, but other these other factors are not in your control. Is that am I being fair? Yeah, no, no, absolutely, absolutely. But um, <clears throat> you know, directing a movie, it's it's like when a jumbo jet takes off, you know. And the, there's these heavy engines hanging on the wings, and it's it's shaking, and and you think you're gonna crash any minute, and it's 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 never gonna fly, and then suddenly it just gets up to the right height and the right level, and then it just goes on in an incredible smooth flight for 12 hours, and then lands in Los Angeles, you know. Yeah. Directing movies is a little bit like that, or hitting an ice patch when your car starts skidding and you know that you need to get from this corner to that corner in the street. And but but it's it's skidding and it's it's swimming, you know. Yeah. But somehow you get there, you know. <laughs> and that's directing, you know. Yeah. And and it's 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 a magical thing, you know, because um um, but it's a very, it's not a profession making movies, it's an obsession, you know, yeah. and you have to be obsessed because otherwise you never get through it, you know, yeah. whoever or whatever movie it is, it's a nightmare, it's like a war, <laughs> and you go to war, yeah. but it's something which... which uh, occupied me for 50 years and I've done nothing else in my life but that well uh, yeah so you do you still are you still battle hardened are you still ready to go to war with you I, I just before you answer that question I want people to understand in addition to we mentioned negatives ruling class odd job changeling 
also films like Romeo is Bleeding, which you mentioned, which I absolutely love. I think that is a fantastic film. Pontiac Moon, The the Hunchback, Species 2. You've also gotten into directing TV. You did one of the couple of the greatest uh, TV shows of all time, The Wire, Carnival, uh, Breaking Bad. You have done some remarkable work. You continue to do some remarkable work. So what keeps your fire burning? Yes, I mean, it's, it's, you can't, it's impossible to put it out, you know. <laughs> it's impossible, you know, because it's, it's, as I say, it's an obsession. It's an obsession, and it's, it's to tell stories and to visually try to translate those scripts into uh, um, pictures which brings it alive, you know. And it's it's just it's the most amazing thing, and and uh, whatever shape movies are going to take in the future, because the tremendous changes are going on. You know, it, it's you know with uh, Amazon and Netflix and television and television versus movies and all that. But as long as as long as you can tell stories with actors and scripts, it doesn't matter you know, where it is shown or how it's been shot or what camera you use. I mean, those are technical things, you know. But the real part of it is to tell stories, stories of life. It's, it's, it's absolute magic. It's absolute magic because when you are shooting, you, you, as a director, you dream about what you're going to do next day and the next day you turn up on the set or on location and you get the cameras out and then you set up the shots and you shoot it, you know. And that next day you can see the rushes which we used to screen in the screening rooms at lunchtime or the evenings or whenever. And, and but you just you can watch it on your iPhone. <laughs> and it's, it's magical, you know, because it always everything turns out to be that much better than you thought it was going to be when you were shooting it. And that's the magic of making. Oh, that's, that's incredible. Well, I'm gonna, I want to thank you for your time today. The film, again, is The Ghost of Peter Sellers, and we have been talking with the director, Peter Medic. And uh, thank you so very, very much for spending some time with us here today. And uh, all the best. I don't know what you've got working, and I hope you're working on something. Uh, so... Well, always trying. All it's always yeah. trying. Good. Thank you. Okay. All the best. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.